0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Could you be in a toxic relationship and not even see the signs? This is far more common than you think. Today on Tamar's Relationship Transformations, your host, author, and certified relationship coach, Tamar Neal, will expose the less talked about, but nonetheless, all important aspects of unhealthy and abusive relationships. You'll learn how to avoid being in one, or how to get out of one. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the host or the show. Now, here's Tamar Neal.
1: Hey, welcome back everyone. Thank you for joining us today for another exciting episode of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. I am so excited. Today's guest is Darlene Lancer, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, expert on relationship and codependency. She's the author of Conquering Shame and Codependency, Eight Steps to Freeing the True You and Codependency for Dummies. And 6 ebooks, including Ten Steps to Self-Esteem, How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive, and Set Limits, Dealing with a Narcissist, Eight Steps to Raise Self-Esteem, and set boundaries with difficult people, and freedom from guilt and blame, finding self-forgiveness. Ms. Lancer has counseled individuals and couples for 28 years and coaches internationally. She's a sought-after speaker in media and at professional conferences. Her articles appear in professional journals and internet mental health websites, including her own. And she now joins us for a live interview on Voice America's Empowerment Network to Mars Relationship Transformation. Please, without further ado, please help me to give a warm welcome to Miss Darlene. Lancer.
2: Hi Darlene, thank you for joining. Thank you, (laughs) thank you for that warm welcome and um, it's a pleasure being able to address your audience and appreciate the opportunity. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh my goodness, it's truly an honor to have you on the show today. You know, it's always Mm -hmm. a pleasure to bring in a big fish, that's what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) Darlene, we're gonna, we're going to, I know that your time is precious. So we're not going to take up, we're going to try not to take up too much of it. So let's get this train moving down the track. You have such a wonderful smorgasbord of books and we're going to just talk about, uh, we're, today we're going to be talking about conquering shame and codependency as we all know has a lot to do with self-esteem. Could you please just tell us what exactly is self-esteem?
2: Well, self-esteem is how you think about yourself. It's a cognitive evaluation. It's a mental evaluation. It's not an emotion. Shame is more of a, a very profound, uh, painful emotion. Self-esteem is more, just really how you regard yourself. How much esteem do you have for yourself?
1: Bye. Okay and that really makes a lot of sense I've never heard it quite broke down that way you know we know that it's the way that you think about yourself but it's the way that you just um, broke that down for us that that made it it really gave me something else to think about with that Uh, darling I think that at some point in many of our lives we all have suffered from low self esteem is that true
2: well yes Um, your low self esteem Uh, Well, self-esteem can vary depending on uh, circumstances. For instance, if someone has been ill a long time, if they're going through a crisis, a divorce, uh, they lose their job, it can fluctuate. But people with um, healthy self-esteem, they bounce back. They're more resilient. But a lot of people have... um, chronically impaired self-esteem so they don't accept themselves so when bad things happen not only they feel um, bad about themselves you know in the moment it it triggers it validates negative feelings that they've had about themselves all along so it just sort of is more proof that they're a failure or they're incompetent, or they're unlovable. It takes different forms with different people, depending on their personality and their background. But so it's harder for them to bounce back.
1: Oh, and I so, guess in some ways, I guess some of the, the telltale traits of the low self-esteem would be that negative self-talk, like, oh, my God, I did it again. I'm so stupid. I hear people saying that all the time. and Absolutely.
2: And that's, you know, in my e-book, Ten Steps to Self-Esteem, The Ultimate Guide to Stopping uh, Self-Criticism.
1: Uh-huh. That's, that's the it.
2: first line of defense. And then I tell people... And that's the first step, actually, in the 10th step, is to start writing down all your negative self-talk. And that includes shoulds. People should on themselves all the time is the way the expression goes. And uh, Karen Horne, an analyst in the 40s and 50s, she coined the term the tyranny of the shoulds. So people that say, I should have said that or I shouldn't have done that, or I should do this, they're constantly berating themselves. And some people actually call themselves names. Like you said, stupid, or I'm an idiot, or (laughs) I'm worthless, things like that. And you can't change what you're not aware of. So the first challenge is to become more self-aware. So I just say, write those messages down every day. Hmm. I even have a video on YouTube where I give an example. I say just, you know, they tell people when you're trying to quit smoking is to do um, like a negative association like snap yourself with a rubber band every time you you don't want a, a cigarette. Well, every time you say something negative to yourself, you can wear a rubber band and just like snap yourself. Wow. Just to remind yourself. Huh. And then you have to replace it with something positive. It's not good enough. It's not enough to just, you know, not have... They say you can't, like, not think of... If you tell someone don't think of an elephant, they're going to keep thinking about not thinking of an elephant and think of an elephant. So you have to replace it with something positive.
1: Oh. Hmm. That's that's really interesting, the rubber band thing, too, because, I mean, I might have to get a couple rubber bands for my own fingers because...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple. <laughs> and then, you know, it can be very, I call that your inner critic. And you have to gener- gradually build a relationship with that critic. Um, and there's a lot of steps to overcoming that. But you got to be careful because it can get very cagey and subtle. You could end up criticizing yourself for self being self-critical.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. well, You have a
2: super critic now, so... Hmm. That's counterproductive too
1: right. this thing could take years <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, not that long. what what are the signs of you know I talk about the telltale traits of things, but what are the signs of the traits of low self-esteem what what would just a few of them be?
2: Well, thinking I don't like myself, saying I can't do that, not trusting yourself people that Are always asking someone else what to do or what they think. You know, should I, uh, do you like this dress or that dress or how do I look? And worried about how they appear.
0: Wow. How they present themselves
2: to others. Uh, And also not wanting too much attention. Because underneath they think that they're going to, people are going to judge them. uh, So that they know, um, they think they don't know what they want. They don't think that their needs or their feelings are important. They're always putting others first, what you others know, think is darling, more important. You, I'm
1: not cutting you off, but you just described most women. You know how most women, they, they put this on, do I look fat in this? How does this look? You know, um, those are signs of low
2: self-esteem. Well, I mean, maybe it's just in, in terms of their appearance, and maybe they have feel good about themselves in work or as parents or in other areas, but it's true and I've written some blogs about the fact, it's very disturbing to me that um, research has shown that girls start to suffer their self-esteem being impaired as early as nine years old and a lot of it is culture and uh, personally it bothers me with all this you know Emphasis on uh, little girls becoming princesses and and um, at a very, like, three or four years old. And their appearance and everything becomes very emphasized.
1: Right. It's even worse now. I think it's even worse than the princess days now. It's like they're uh-huh. almost like um, little girls are almost like little women, you know, I have my little four-year-old granddaughter hair out
2: at four years old.
1: Yeah, I have my four-year-old granddaughter out with me and she was highly upset because she didn't have any, she didn't have any lip gloss. She said, you have lip
2: gloss. Oh, I don't have crazy. any lip gloss. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, to me, it's, Very sad, but it's all emphasis on appearance and objectifying women so that they're objects for, you know, someone's uh, attraction uh, or to be liked or desirable to a man or to someone else rather than their intrinsic qualities for who they are as people. That and then so-, so then then, if your external doesn't match up with if you don't think well of yourself internally, then there's this big gap, so you can think you look good, but then you think, but inside, I'm not really any good. people don't they just see this princess or this beautiful image, but they don't really I'm really not a good person or i'm not I don't really measure up to what I'm presenting myself. And that discrepancy creates a lot of shame.
1: Hmm, and I guess that shame builds as, as time goes on.
2: Absolutely, it does.
1: Hmm. Okay, well, darling, I think at that point, because you gave me a lot to think about, at that point, um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial. We're going to take a deep breath first. Woo! And stop for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Darlene Lancer will help us with some of the shame that accompanies low self esteem. We'll be right back. So don't y'all go nowhere now, you hear?
0: Home of the top light coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a National Diploma in Emergency Medical Dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. You're listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at one 888 346 9141 That's one 88 You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com Now back to the show.
1: All right, everyone. Thanks for we're back. We have Miss Darlene Lancer here, and she's going to be. Uh, we were having a conversation about self-esteem, uh, and we're going to be going into also some codependency here. But, um, Darlene, we're going to go back to the self-esteem, but I want to I want to go to the codependency. What are
2: symptoms? Well, first of all, what is a codependent? Someone who um, they really can't access or function from their innate self, and instead their behavior and their thinking revolves around another person, or it could be an addiction, like a process like um, sex addiction, gambling, eating, or it could be a substance like a drug or alcohol. Mm-hmm. So given back to what I was saying before, if you're not in touch with, connected to your inner self and just appearances and what other people think, that's kind of setting you up for, for self, for codependency. That's amazing. It's all how other people will think. Huh,
1: okay, so what are the, so the symptoms, so, okay, so. Let's see if he, could you could you think you can just give us a, uh, just round it all off from where we left off so that we can go into this next segment, segment for a person who may be just coming in on the show. Um, so we were well, talking about the self-esteem and what is self-esteem and what is low self-esteem.
2: And the signs of self, low self-esteem. So I wanted to elaborate on the signs of low self-esteem. Okay. What are the signs? Please give us the signs. <clears throat> well, one sign is having a lot of anxiety about being rejected, <clears throat> if someone uh, whether someone likes me or not, editing what you're saying, being preoccupied with how what other people are thinking of you, <clears throat> being always worried that you'll be rejected. For instance, if you're dating or that you might say the wrong thing and you're going to be upset somebody else, um, or whether you'll be loved or not, uh, this leads to a lot of people pleasing. And it makes a person hypersensitive to criticism. So they might be super defensive. They can't take any constructive criticism because it, Plays right into them feeling like they're unworthy and they're not good enough, um, and it makes a person afraid of making mistakes because often they're afraid of looking foolish. Hmm. They may be risk averse because they don't—they're afraid of failing or looking bad, and then that can lead to perfectionism or even procrastination because. Um, I might not do it well enough, so I'm not going to even, I just, I don't think I can do it. I don't have the confidence to do it, so I'm going to keep putting it off, or I'm afraid to speak up, so if I have a difficult conversation, I'm just going to procrastinate, or a difficult assignment, because I don't have confidence, so low confidence would be, you know, a sign of that. Um, You might end up with an abuser, somebody who's Mm. abusive and says the things about you that internally you believe. You end up victimized by people. Mm. Um, And then you might compare yourself to others who you think have it all together because you compare yourself in a negative way. She's more beautiful. She is a better figure. Or he's more successful. He's making more money than I am. Or they have uh, you know look at the partner that he or she has, and nobody loves me, and all. you know all this negative comparison. Hmm. And then you might have trouble pursuing goals or excelling in your career because of lack of confidence, not asking for your needs or what you want. Now, I mentioned not knowing what you want. So if you don't ask for a raise, you probably won't get one.
1: Um, That's true. The wheel that doesn't squeak won't get oil, huh?
2: That's right. But if you don't think you're worthy of it and you're worried, well, if I ask, they're just going to point out all my mistakes and my criticisms, uh, all all afraid of being criticized, then you just want to have a low profile. So it leads to lack of assertiveness. And assertiveness and self-esteem go together. So the more a person can speak up for what they need, they want, they set boundaries, Uh, that's an indication of good Mm self-esteem. And assertiveness can be learned. And the more assertive you are, it builds your self-esteem. That's why I wrote another e-book, How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive and Set Limits. These are, self-esteem is learned and so is assertiveness. So the things that we can really change, they're totally within our power to do it. It takes effort. It's like learning a new language. And when you have... Your language and the way you speak reflects good self-esteem and and poor self-esteem. So if you go on an interview, you project immediately, unconsciously. It's not something you can control. How you come across? Whether you're assertive, whether you're passive, whether if you're aggressive, being aggressive is not being assertive either. That also could show low self-esteem. A bully has low self-esteem. Hmm. But that's not being assertive. It's being aggressive.
1: Well, what, have to put what other is, people
2: down to feel good.
1: What is low self-esteem's
2: relationship to shame? Do they all... Shame will it... cause low self-esteem. Again, shame is the emotion, and low okay. self-esteem is the mental cognitive evaluation. But okay. if you have chronically low self-esteem... It's likely that there's shame underneath, deep shame, and that usually starts in childhood.
1: Okay, so can you give us like an example of something that could happen in childhood that could cause this this
2: this low self esteem issue? I mean, I oh, there's just so many things. A, a parent that shames your feelings—you shouldn't feel that way—or. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. So, shaming your distress. Ignoring your wants and needs. You ask for something and they say uh, you don't deserve it. Or or just ignoring a child's uh, needs. Uh, ignoring a child when they're crying. Um, saying, you, you know, you shouldn't be angry. You know, punishing a child for their feelings. So, you... Hmm. Hopefully, you you discipline the child for their behavior, but not for their feelings. That's part of who they are. Not for wow. their needs. So children start to disown the, if they know that they're going to be shamed every time they ask for something. Or you shouldn't feel this way. Uh, don't be afraid. You don't. That's a, you're being a sissy. What kind of man, little man, are you? Things like that. Um, then. After this happens repeatedly, a child is not going to show that vulnerability to a parent. And after a while, it becomes unconscious. They start denying. They're not even aware of their needs. A lot of children learn to be very self-sufficient. So, are uh, need to be a child, and innocent, gets taken away if they have to be a parent too soon? If a parent starts confiding in them and wanting the child to parent the parent, the mother or the father, or having to be, if the parent is not around, is neglectful or absent, and the child has to take care of their younger siblings, then they learn to be very self-sufficient. And they disown Mm -hmm. their needs for attention, their own vulnerability, their need to receive love because they, they are having to be a little parent. So they start denying some of their needs and, and feelings. Um, or shaming sexuality. Hmm. You know, saying that's sinful. Um, there's so many ways comparing one child to another. A lot of parents boast, Oh, well, when I was a child, you know, you have it too good. Or I won all these awards. Uh, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to shame. I mean, uh, uh, an example which most people and parents would find is innocuous uh, it had a big impact on a client I saw, and uh, the mother said, uh, "This this young boy forgot his homework," and the mother said, "How how could you forget your homework?" So it wasn't. It was like there's something wrong with you, hmm. and that would seem like such a well. easy thing mistake or something for a parent to make. And parents uh, routinely shame their children, you know, unconsciously. But when it's severe, blaming is another way. And when it's chronic and it's happening not just occasionally but day in and day out then it's very damaging. And the part that is so painful is when um, a child feels the break in the connection, the loving connection with the parent. That's their life support, knowing that they're loved. So if a parent withholds love and disciplines in anger or rage, that's breaking that bond of love uh-huh. The child knows oh, that. that they're lovable. That's the key. When hmm. They feel that there's something wrong with them and they're not lovable.
1: Okay, darling. what I want you to do is I want you to hold that thought with that parenting um, because we have about one minute before the commercial. Um, so when we come back, we're going to go into that thought about the parenting, and then we're going to talk about um, how we can get your books, connect with you, I also understand that you have a, um, you have a something that you have a, a free download. You have a few gifts, so I want you guys to just stay tuned. We'll be right back with Miss Darlene Lancer.
0: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in Emergency Medical Dispatch. And became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers. And she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books. Find out where she is appearing next and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamara is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit tamara Neal.com. For more information, or call directly at 888 503 1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's tamarneal.com. Or call 888 503 1575. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at TamarNeal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, welcome back everyone. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Darlene Lancer. Uh, Darlene, you were, could you please um, continue on where you left off with the parenting and uh, low self esteem?
2: Yes, I was talking about how a child needs to feel loved by the parent. So it's not enough to just tell your child, I love you. A lot of parents say, I love you, but then they do these behaviors that disrespect the child's uniqueness. They might try to mold the child into what they want, or they ignore, as I mentioned, the child's needs and feelings. Uh, A child needs to feel uniquely wanted. That means for who they are, not who the parents want them to be. And they need this from both parents. So you might have a father that's very accepting of the child, or a mother, but not the the other parent isn't. And the child needs to feel that each parent wants a relationship, a mutual relationship with that child, and respects their as I said their unique individuality. So to say I love you, but then never want to interact with your child, doesn't send that message of wanting a relationship, that you value your child's presence and your child's ideas and thoughts and feelings.
1: So parenting is definitely a verb as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely and a the verb. the way that
2: a, um, a parent communicates this is by accurate empathy. And so that what that means is when your child is sad, you don't say, oh, don't be sad. You say... Oh, you're really sad. I could see that this must hurt you. So you reflect back your child's feelings. It's a matching process. And that builds the child's individual psychological self because they only know learn and know who they are from the parent mirroring. It's like looking in a mirror and the psychological term is called mirroring. A right. Parent's job is to mirror that child and then they Start to know, oh, that's what anger feels like. Yes, I'm angry. So and it's what okay, does, you know.
1: Uh-huh. So what does, um, why are you crying? I'm going to give you something to cry for. What, how does, what does that do for the
2: child? Well, it's shaming the crying. It's like you shouldn't mm-hmm. cry. Stop uh-huh. crying or I'm going I'm to punish you. I'll make it worse. And hmm. not cry. Or here, have something to eat. So it's teaching wow. a child to uh, substitute, instead of learning how to soothe their feelings, you're developing a, an eating disorder. So, okay, wow. well, I'm going to give you a cookie, or here, fear, feel better, have a, an ice cream cone. So you're not really helping a child learn to soothe themselves and comfort themselves. So as an adult, they're going to turn to food instead of the parent. They don't have a parent comforting And then they end up with an eating disorder. And they still don't feel good. And the more they engage in that addictive behavior, the more shame they have. And this is the problem with codependency and addiction. Uh It's like instead of that connection internally because of the shame, they keep going outward for it. I'm going to have a relationship that's going to validate me. I'm going to feel good by taking a drug i'm going to feel good by eating food i'm going to feel good by buying more clothes or things like that so but the more they do that the worse they feel inside because they're not addressing the problem they're going further and further away from themselves and then they end up with shame about you know the relationship that didn't work out you know feeling guilty or ashamed about their addiction their weight their gambling debts, mm. you know, their alcoholism, whatever it is. And so it builds more shame, and it's not the solution. It makes the problem bigger. Just as you said, shame oh. grows.
1: Wow. So, how do we it. address the problem? How do we build self esteem? What are some techniques that we can use um, with building self esteem?
2: Well, as I said, the first thing is building awareness. Okay, Okay. And I outline all of these steps in my e-book, 10 Steps to Self-Esteem. Tell us where we can get that e-book at. Oh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can get it on my website, whatiscodependency.com. And it's very inexpensive, and you can get a PDF there. You can get it at um, www.smashwords.com. So it's available on the Internet and my website. Okay. And the second step is you want to... You know, find out more about that critic that keeps criticizing you. So you want to uh, draw a picture of it or uh, interview it. So
1: wait a, a minute. He, you want to sit down with pencil and paper. Yeah. And and, and communicate with your inner critic. Right. Find oh, out, right, so like,
2: okay, who does this voice sound like? Who does hmm. it remind you of? Who were its teachers? Did it learn, you know, some of these words and standards from your parents, from a sibling, from a a teacher that was shaming you, or uh, some religious figure in your life? Uh, And I would say draw a picture of it, too. Hmm. See what it looks like. Give it a name. Um, Find out how it wants you to improve and why. What are its motives? So really do an in-depth interview. Get to know your critic. Because often, you know, it's actually trying to be helpful but in unproductive ways. So it might be telling you you're fat because it thinks if you lose weight, uh, you will have a, you know, feel better. Um, You'll be healthier.
1: You well, what move if you around critic, better.
2: Right. What if your critic
1: is telling you you're fat and it's telling you this every day and it's telling you that you're gaining weight and you look at the scale and you are gaining weight and it, your critic is reminding you?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not helpful. What, what, it's unproductive. It's not motivating you. It's shaming you.
1: Okay. And it's depressing it's you. you.
2: Right. And then you feel hopeless. Uh-huh. So then you have, then you know, the later steps would then be is like, how are you going to collaborate and uh, first confronting that critic? And so maybe, how do you confront the critic? You might believe critic? like, if you're fat, you're never going to be loved. You'll never meet anybody that will love you. Well, is that really true? There's a lot of happily married obese people. Uh-huh. There's Should no you ever talk back that to your critic? Well, they're successful in work and on television and models in all kinds of ways so those are you challenge some of the beliefs that you have
1: so is it okay to talk back to the critic or do you just absolutely i want you
2: to Mm, this is interesting to challenge those beliefs maybe you know uh i've had clients where their parents said you're you know why bother buying clothes you're fat or you're never no one's going to ever you're never going to be in a relationship because you're fat. Who's going to ever want you? And these beliefs, so, you know, get um, laid down in your brain. And So, so they when they hopeless.
1: download this e-book, it'll have the step-by-step Yeah. in the book. Okay. So All if right. you
2: feel hopeless and then sad about it, and you've been trained in my early example to, like, turn to food for comfort, so you're just going to feel more hopeless, more sad, more lonely, and then mm-hmm. you'll just eat more, stay home and eat more. And then it it doesn't solve the problem, it makes it worse. So challenging some of those beliefs and, like, what would be productive, maybe realizing I'm lovable whether I'm fat or not fat. That would be, uh, you know, a... Uh, transformational, life-altering belief Uh and freeing you from that. Well, that's just not true, that I'm not lovable if I'm fat. And then, Uh well, okay, so do I really, do I want to make these changes? And what would be helpful? They say that to really break a habit, you have to change your behavior for 21 days. And often, now we're talking... We're kind of getting into the subject of addiction, which is a little different, but Uh um, to to get support, you know, these are addictions that are very hard to do. So seeing a therapist going to a 12-step group, but but you might have to, with some of this negative self-talk, in in general requires a certain amount of self-discipline. And well, mindfulness, I, so it means maybe writing these, these lists every day and really paying attention to it on a daily basis.
1: Now, let me ask you this. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't want to forget. Memory isn't that great these days. If the inner critic is the inner, if we're listening to the inner critic talking to us on a daily basis, we're listening to this inner critic talking to us. We're listening. So if we're listening and this inner critic is inside of us talking, who is the inner critic? Who is talking? Is this a crazy question or because I'm I'm just thrown through a loop here. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking about this thing too hard. Is the inner critic the self-conscious or who is the inner? Is it somebody from our past that maybe shamed us or is it
2: it's a part of... Oh, please, just tell us. Dora, well, yeah, the those, it gets set up in childhood. I mean, it's good to have a healthy conscience, uh-huh. you know, but that doesn't shame you, and that actually can make corrective... Uh, guilt is actually... It was surprising to learn in my research that guilt actually can build self-esteem. So, but this is not... This is guilt that is without shame, And that means that it makes you think, I'm going to reform. I'm going to change my behavior. Mm -hmm. I can do this. I'm going to make amends. And it leads to self-improvement. But on the contrary, like shame, then you feel like you're hopeless, like you're irredeemable. And this constant self-criticism is not just about something I did that I can correct. It's about who I am. I'm fat. It's not that, um, oh, I, I ate too much in that meal. There's something wrong with me. It's shaming. Hmm. Uh, and it leads to this inertia and inaction, and more self-criticism leads to depression and passivity and withdrawal. So you need to substitute, you know, more helpful things you say to yourself because otherwise you're living with an abuser, Right. All the time, oh. day in and day out, and that will—if you're living literally living with an abuser—it's going to really damage your self-esteem and make yeah. you depressed. Oh, A lot this of times, scary, oh. and the
1: abuser is you. This is yes. really scary, and the oh my That's goodness. Right. Darlene, we really want to thank you for joining us to share this relationship transforming information. I mean, you have been a well of knowledge. Now, I know that our listeners are able to go to www.whatiscodependency.com where they can get a free copy 14 Tips for Letting Go, right? So please yes. share with our listeners where else they can get your books and information and uh, connect with information about connecting with you. I'm getting my
2: books tonight, y'all. <laughs> Thank you well, um Well, at whatiscodependency.com, there are links to my YouTube channel where I have a lot more information about this. There's a link to my... Uh, account on SoundCloud where there's some other audio interviews you can listen to I'm on Facebook you could just put in my name Darlene Lancer and then I have a page on codependency it's all one word codependency recovery and I'm on Twitter and my uh, name there is Darlene Lancer again so there's links to all of that on my website And I blog every month. There's a blog a few months ago was on how self-esteem impacts relationships. And you can really, low self-esteem will undermine a relationship. And if you have good self-esteem, it can... Uh, predict a longevity of relationship, and even improve your partner's self-esteem if you have good self-esteem. Wow. Well, Darlene, I'm going to have to take
1: this commercial break, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. And y'all go ahead and get those books now. You have the information. Get those books.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit tamara neilcom for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T A M A R A Neal.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hey, welcome back, uh, everyone. I would like to take a few minutes, these last 10 minutes, and uh, introduce my award-winning book, Venomous Relationships. I don't think I've had the opportunity, well, I haven't had the opportunity to really talk about the book and why I wrote the book on the show. However, I have read uh, quite a few excerpts. But anyway, just to get to it. Uh, I wrote Venomous Relationships to prevent other women from facing the common silent relationship heartbreak that I have not only seen happen uh, to too many of my friends and family and acquaintances, but I have also experienced it myself. You know, it's often very difficult for a woman to admit that she is indeed being emotionally abused, particularly if she is competent and successful in other areas of her life. So I needed to find a way to get the attention of women suffering from the silent trauma of emotional abuse. Um, I believe that although the number of people that suffer from recognized abuse is overwhelming, far too many cases go unrecognized because when people suffer from emotional abuse the emotionally abusive spouse or or lover uses a variety of tactics that damage the self esteem and the person begins to excuse inexcusable behavior at that point they want to give the the partner the benefit of the doubt rather than expose them or or throw them out this is especially true when a person is a good provider or has been good in other ways you know we learn how to rationalize what has been totally irrational and you know become quite good at it I mean Just imagine you've been living in this fabulous home and wearing designer clothes, driving an expensive car, and the kids are going to a nice private school. And, you know, these material things have a way of making people become doormats in other people's mansions. So... You know, I wrote Venomous Relationships with Love to expose some of the common, silent, abusive relationships and teach women uh, the telltale traits, how to avoid them. What I do is I call out obvious red flag behavior, such as addiction, physical abuse, adultery. I also highlight lesser-known signs of relationship trouble, including indications that a potential partner is only interested in a one-night stand or that the partner hasn't gotten over his previous relationship and is in no position to make the new one work. Throughout the book, I remind the reader that the only one that the person um, can change is themselves. So with the the book's name is Venomous Relationship. It takes a direct approach. So it skips the jargon. If you're looking for jargon, it doesn't read like that. It reads like a girlfriend's chat in a coffee shop. Each chapter includes a scenario of a venomous relationship. Some of it is filled with trauma and drama, but let's, let's, let's just face it, you know, Although some parts are hard to swallow, a reality check always is. And then there's the immediately following the scenario, I have a let's talk section. And that section reads like a girlfriend chat in a coffee shop. Many women who are involved in venomous relationships no longer have girlfriends or friends because they've been isolated by by. Uh, design so i skip the jargon of traditional language of psychology here i prefer a personal approach encouraging the reader to just recognize and reclaim a lot of the things that they may already know and then i have then i have the uh, the conclusion section and the conclusion is my review of the venomous relationship Last but not least, in that same chapter, I have a page that says, Today I will release and let go of. And that page is left blank for the reader to acknowledge some of the things that um, they may want to release and let go of in that chapter. Now, let's get into some of the, the people that are the chapters in the book. Chapter one. Dr. Respectable and Mr. Hyde. Now that is that guy that everyone loves. He is an upstanding citizen in the community. He opens your car door. Everyone at work loves this guy. Um, but when you get home you gotta run from him. You gotta hide from him. That's Dr. Respectable and Mr. Hyde. I have the player from the Himalaya. You will more than likely meet this guy in a club. but when you venture back to the club after his date is over with you, you have to get the book to find out about that. But I also have I Just Don't Want to Be Lonely. That's that woman with that barrage of men that are or people coming in and out. We find out later it's a self-esteem issue. Uh, the jailbird lover. Some people choose to date people that are unattainable to them. I have the cougar and her, her cub also in the book. And um, we all know about the cougar, but I like to talk about what happens after you cub him. The tell-deaf-do-us-part guy, he's in the book. And last, well, not last, but I have my gut-buster story in the book. We're running out of time, um, and we have come to the end of another episode of Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us and trust, that you will continue this transformation by supporting the guests. Miss Darling Lancer was just here uh, with her phenomenal Smorgasbord books. And um, also support the hosts. I have books on Amazon, Bonds & Noble, and they're at most bookstores. If you're uh, actually online listening, you'll see like a banner over top of the um over top of the show, and you'll see books. If you just click on that banner, that banner will actually take you to uh, my Amazon page and my books. So we're here every Wednesday at eleven a.m. Pacific time and two p.m. Eastern time. We also have that one eight 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 three four six. Nine one four one number up there, if you'd like to call in and chat with me or any of my guests, you can reach out to me on Facebook as well um tomorrow Neil I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh next week we're gonna have another one of tomorrow's relationship transformation episodes uh I believe that well I'm gonna let you just tune in and find out who we're gonna have so y'all make sure y'all come back now you hear toodles
0: thank you for tuning in to Tamar's relationship transformation please join host Tamar Neal again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time 2 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel we'll see you here again next week